<laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome all. We are live this evening, April the 10th, on Berry Flow Upstream. This one is entitled Range, and I guess we're going to get to why it's titled Range in just a little bit. We're covering April the 3rd through the 10th. Uh, the April security patch for Priv is now here. I'm here with our guests, Blaze, editor in chief over at crackberry.com, and Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. Have either of you two gentlemen grabbed that April security update? I'm still waiting on it for AT&T, but normally it comes about like that two weeks out, so I'm expecting maybe to get it next week. Blaze, on any of your Shop BB devices, have you uh, grabbed that update? Oh, yeah, it came in March for those devices. <laughs> That's the funny thing, is it was actually delivered on like March 23rd, even though it's the actual April update. <laughs> but Shop Library devices already have it, so... Yeah, you know, no, I'm I'm on AT&T as well, so I we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to the bastardization of shop BlackBerry devices versus yeah. uh, you know like uh, carrier devices, but it's interesting at least that they are staying consistent, working with their carrier partners to push that update out. I gotta give them kudos, right? I honestly didn't think they were gonna be able to manage it. I wonder what kind of agreements they were able to muster so that this could happen. And you know, Blaze just put out an article very recently about Sprint and. The priv, and that'll kind of lead into a, a latter conversation I want to have about, you know, what kind of agreements is BlackBerry actually setting up with these carrier partners for them to actually support the devices? It's kind of an interesting thing because, for priv to really stand on its own, it needs to have those patches to even maintain, you know, a semblance of security. So if the carriers partners aren't on board with these consistent updates, it almost nullifies the point of priv entirely, right? So it's kind of just an odd place for them, right? If their partners start falling behind and then they get hacked or whatever, there's some some vulnerability that gets found, you know, BlackBerry's going to have to take the heat on that where really it potentially is, you know, their partners or some of their other distribution channels that are falling to the wayside. Alex, are you are you worried about the security on your priv? Do you even, you know, necessarily care as a general consumer user? Um I mean, realistically, I, okay, I, it's a tough scenario because I do, I have so much information on my phone. I have all of my bank accounts tied in. I have apps that tie in my bank accounts. Also, I have, you know, credit card, um, I have credit cards on my phone that I can use Android Pay with. So, like, security is obviously important um, to, to a certain level because there's just so much information on here and all my business and everything like that. But I, I'm not overly worried about, Security to a level I don't I don't know there's a there's a weird part of it like I do care a lot about security I just don't know to what extent or I feel like just normal Android vanilla Android is probably secure enough um, at least for my use case I I guess I don't know enough about exactly what is different between being on Buzz and having that type of security in the phone as opposed to just not you know being there. So, Blaze, do you feel kind of the same way in terms of the security? I mean, is it, when, is it comes, it's... when it comes down to it, I really like security. As terrible as it sounds, security on my phone and worrying about viruses and stuff like that is pretty low on my care factor spectrum. It's yeah. just like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't go visiting stupid sites that will yeah. send me a bunch of pop-ups and, you know. I don't download shady apps. I mean, all it takes is a little bit of common sense, and you don't have to worry about that stuff. Just don't, don't be shady when using your phone, and you don't really have to worry about it. I mean, it, you know, am I worried? In what sense of security are we talking here? Like viruses or yeah, stuff like that. I mean, I that stuff. <laughs> Like I said, it's really low on my care factor spectrum. I don't give a damn because I don't do shady stuff that I have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to, you know, the possibility of other people getting into my phone, um, you know, whether it be through, you know, spying or any, you know, like trying to siphon off my credit card information, well, you know, I've had my stuff hacked without it ever actually leading to my phone, so really it would just be another another scenario for me to deal with anyway. So, no, not it. it I really just possibly couldn't care less. <laughs> Blaze is like, please, please hack me. <laughs> take take my uh, empty bank account and fill it up with. With, with uh, bitcoins and things. Like that. <laughs> totally, make, yeah, make me rich. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Brandon? How you doing, man? Not too much, man. Not too much. Good to have you on. We're kind of uh, talking about security and priv, and 
you know, what value security has to consumers like us, you know, outside of that enterprise space. And it's really pretty tough. Brandon, you're still on BB10. Does security on the consumer side really matter to you? Is that something like you are looking for in a device when you go to purchase it? Blaze was just making the argument, you know, don't do shady stuff on your phone and you're probably going to be all right, you know? So how do you uh, feel using BB10? I think the one thing I do like as a consumer in terms of security is the thing is that when you have an Android or something or when you use Google products, you're pretty much confined to having to use those particular apps that, that Google can access and tap. And at the end of the day, they can get your data, right? So, I mean, like in terms of the consumer side of stuff, I mean... Yeah, I'm concerned about security, but there's nothing really I can do. I mean, everything that a reasonable person nowadays needs to use, um, just, I mean, that can be exploited one way or another. So it really, yeah, back echoing what Blaze says, just it's just learning how to be a bit more, uh, a bit more conscious when you're conscious when you're uh, using stuff now. But in terms of what I can actually buy a product for security. It's not that big of a mind share because I already, you know, have this acknowledgement that things just aren't that secure. Even if you have a BlackBerry, right? Like, if you're doing dumb stuff on the internet, I mean, there's only so much security that the hardware can provide you, right? It really comes down to how the user um, uses their device. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, if you go, it, it, oh, oh, geez, Brad. <laughs> That actually is serious. Um, yeah, I mean, like, if you go to a sketchy website, like, if you go to your bank's website, which is not actually your bank, and you find out it... Brandon? You better fix that. <laughs> if you go to your bank's website, and it's, like, a fake bank website, and you put your username and password in there, uh, obviously, like, and you get scammed from that, obviously, like, that's there's nothing the phone can do to prevent that. I mean, sure, it could probably give you, like... Um, a warning, like this isn't necessarily the website you think it is, but a lot of that has to do with the browser and things, and it really the 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 I can't like the lowest common factor that could actually end up hurting you is you doing a personal mistake. Uh, you have so much information on your phone that realistically I think it's secure enough. I mean I'm not worried about someone breaking my phone and grabbing my credit card information. I feel like it's secure enough. Android overall is secure enough. Um, exactly what Blaze and everyone else is saying. It's just you are the 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 factor that will cause it to not be secure. Right, right. You, so just, you're the weak link. You're the weakest yeah. link in the chain, no, no doubt. And, and you know that kind of echoes onto a conversation John Chen had discussing BlackBerry security and email. You know, harkening back to the Hillary Clinton and the, you know the the misuse of her BlackBerry to send you know those corporate communications. It's funny because at the end of the day, it really is you. You know, you could have an entire chain of security, but if you hand your phone over unlocked to, you know, someone who wants to abuse that privilege, I see, see I made a privilege joke there, uh, who wants to abuse that privilege, <laughs> you're going to be exploited. So at the end of the day, you've got to make sure that, as Brandon said, you keep conscientious of the different security implementations that you have and use them appropriately, right? Things like LastPass, using other services to make things easier but also adding in layers of security is such a boon to users. And I think smartphones these days, be they BlackBerry 10, be they iOS, be they Android, really enable us to add in our own security, right? If I have dirty pictures on my phone that I don't want to share with anyone, right, I can lock them up in an app, right, and put a password on it. You know, there's so many different things that you can do to take control of your security. And I think BlackBerry puts a lot of that, you know, kind of at the forefront of what they do, which is why a lot of us stick around. They kind of have this intrinsic understanding of what we value, even if, you know, as consumers, there's no front-facing privacy and security things that we're actually going to take advantage of, right? Like D-Tech? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot there for us. But at the end of the day, I think they really are working hard to extend that portfolio, especially in the enterprise space, to work and have that secure end-to-end -end kind of communication network and platform. What do you guys think about the unlocked BlackBerry Priv getting a permanent $50 price cut to $649? I almost feel like it's a slap in the face. It's like all you did was cover the taxes, you know? Yeah. You, you didn't actually discount anything. Like $100, that's going to make people turn their head, but $50 bucks is, is negligible, I mean, right? wasn't, wasn't there a sale not that long ago where it knocked like $50 bucks off as yeah. well? So basically yeah. all they did is just basically permanently go ahead and extend the sale. 
I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, obviously, fifty dollars off of a device is fifty dollars off of a device, right? That's gonna that's gonna help motivate some people. However, I just don't think that it, it's enough of a, a of a drop to be able to go ahead and motivate the mass majority of people. Like you said, for me, it's, it, I, at this point, with the the shape that the Canadian dollar is in, and the fact that I live in one of the the higher tax uh, provinces, it probably doesn't even cover the tax for me when I calculated it out. So, you know, it, it's great that they decided to go ahead and drop it. It's great that, you know, some people will nab onto it, but still, I mean, I I wish I wish it was like more incentive, like not a hundred dollars off. <laughs> well, what what is the benefit for them to just get a bunch of people to have privs? At, at, say that they cut the price down a lot then they're going to be making less margin per phone. I feel like part of them doesn't even want to sell more privs. They want the people who are about to buy the phone to wait for the, you know, the the middle model phones that are going to come out that will hopefully have like similar margin uh, to the privs. So they they might like not even want people to buy the priv. Like they don't want to drop it by 100, 150, 200 dollars so people will buy it and they don't make like any margin off of them. Yeah. They would rather you know, wait so it's screwed up, right. though. It's not, a, it's not a market share gaining device in, exactly. in, by, in by design, right? It totally makes sense. Brandon is not going out on that $50 discount and getting a priv. <laughs> no. No, so, Brandon's, Brandon's still looking at his mortgage going, yeah, that $50 could go to my mortgage. <laughs> no, definitely. Brandon, what do you think, man? $50, does that really incentivize anyone to buy this device? He's trying to fix his mic microphone, dude. <laughs> his, his silence says it all. His silence says it all. Yeah, so you know, we know Brandon's not pleased with the fifty dollars. Absolutely no comment on the matter. <laughs> it, it's funny because at least they're acknowledging their mistakes, right? At the very least, they're they're listening to people. They're listening to the consumers. They're listening to the buyers out there. And uh, verbally, yeah. they're acknowledging it, but like monetarily, they're not. Like a I don't feel like a fifty dollars drop is acknowledging it. China acknowledged it, but. That the the price drop is not really. Man, I don't you should have listened to customers before it went on sale. <laughs> and and that's the thing, right? If I look at like let's say something like a Nexus Six P, one of the best Android phones out there right now, I can get that phone for four ninety nine. Mm -hmm. So am I paying two hundred dollars more for a keyboard and security? Like, is that worth two hundred dollars to most people? Absolutely not. I'm sorry, the keyboard doesn't have that much benefit, right? And even the LG G5, potentially, if LG ever gets their shit together, might actually have a keyboard attachment too. So, and you know, even Samsung has their little, you know, smart cover for the keyboard. So there's so many things that I think people can get that at a cheaper price point. If if the key if the keyboard is really all that is valuable there, you know, it maybe re reserves a hundred dollar price hike instead of a two hundred dollar price hike. Yeah, and it, it would have just come in at a nicer place for people. I think it would have been easier to sell. The price drop is only for Shop Blackberry, though, right? Like, I mean, okay. if I go to AT and T, it's, it's not dropped down. Like, yeah, I mean, well, the no, average... carri carriers are on their own in terms yeah. of the pricing. So. so that's the screwed up part in my eyes because you know my aunt and my cousin are actually going to AT and T within the next few weeks to get the priv, and they don't experience any of this discount. Like, screw it. It's like the the average consumer is going to buy it from a carrier, so it's still a really damn expensive phone on the carriers. Who cares about Shop Blackberry? Yeah. Only it's the like, people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what market really does Shop Blackberry? Yes. Serve right in the Not grand scheme of things. Yeah. So. And like you were saying before, like no, it's not going to make me buy it with a fifty dollar discount. I mean, to be honest, when you're dropping that much money on a device or something like that, uh, in terms of a sale, like I'm not looking for a fifty dollar sale. Um, if I'm going to be spending that much money, I mean, like sure enough, yeah, it's better than a a kick in the butt. I mean, it's uh, it's it saved money. You save fifty dollars here. You save some extra money on the taxes as a result of it. I think it ends up being like maybe. Maybe ten bucks or something for the average uh, province or something like that. So overall, like sixty dollars in savings off the top. Uh, but yeah, like in the grand scheme of things, like we, like you guys mentioned, it's negligible. Like I'm not gonna go out and get the phone because it's fifty dollars cheaper. Um, I think like if it was a hundred dollars cheaper, then yeah, that that might get more people looking at it. Which yeah, which even that's, so. That's, that's that's essentially the point right there is because yeah. 
at a hundred dollars, it feels as though that it's a real discount at that point yeah. because you're getting your taxes covered and you're getting a little, a little bit, bit off. off the device itself, right? So, which yeah. the, the Blaze, I think the thing that you were talking about earlier, the I think it was like a ninety dollar kind of equivalent deal going on where you got like the case and the charger and things yeah. like that. So it's like, would you rather have fifty bucks off or ninety dollars worth of accessories? $90 worth of accessories feels like more of a deal to me than this $50 does. So Give me, give me both. <laughs> yeah. Knock yeah. $100 off and give me the accessories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're greedy. Yeah. I, think, I think when it relates to it, like $50, it just doesn't have that much of a mind share because when you go and fill up your car, at least in Canada, like most of the yeah. time it costs me about like $45, $50 to fill up my car with gas. So to somebody who fills up their car often, they're kind of like, you know, it's, it's just 50 bucks. You, you spend it to fill up your car, and that's what they can. A lot of people might equate it to something like that, kind of like a, a regular expense they do, whereas like $100 would be more like out of the norm for some people, I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> they see me trolling. They hate <laughs> That's also where the different perspectives come into play because, I mean, with me and Brandon in Canada, if we were to go buy a priv, it's like nearly $1,000, you know what I mean? Yeah. American, American prices are a little bit better, but our dollar is crap right now. So, you know, yeah. to, to try and convince a Canadian to go ahead and buy a BlackBerry at that price, it's it's a hard sell, man. <laughs> and then not give Canadians the fifty dollar discount anyway. Right, exactly. That's that's the other catcher. Slap in the like, face. Wow, man. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes me wonder, really, whether whether there's a bigger strategy here at play, and that's kind of what we're going to lead into as part of our discussion here. Uh, Blaze and I have been kind of tossing back and forth this kind of snarky commentary. And it brings us to the headline of BlackBerry's ad hoc crisis communication platform supporting international customers with their data center in Europe. And it just seems like a lot of the news we've been hearing from BlackBerry is very UK focused. Well, not UK rather, but European focused. Like they want to make a lot more business happen there, be it on the enterprise side, be it on the software services side. And then on top of that, we're getting mid range code names like Hamburg, which is obviously in Europe, right, in Germany. So it seems like there's a lot of focus right now on that side of the, of the globe. And I'm wondering, you know, in terms of ad hoc, do you guys continue to see them delivering positive news for BlackBerry? I mean, how much do you guys think they contribute to the actual spreadsheet? You know, maybe $100 million here or there? I can't imagine it's a ton of money, considering they bought them for an undisclosed amount. Yeah, look at. Uh, to be honest, I, I I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I just uh, I've never seen one of those systems being run. I have no clue what the uh, what the pricing of that stuff is, nor like how big that market is. Just like the, for instance, ad hoc. Um, like they're being used in emergency situations, but I'm not sure how widespread that that field spans like would one city have one thing like that or would it be on a department by department basis yeah it's hard um, it's hard to break that down without some deeper yeah. knowledge of what like their process is for actually going ahead and signing contracts and what all it actually entails it's really really complicated and at that point we we would literally have to go ahead and like request a demo and get really yeah. deep into it to be able to go ahead and figure it all out but I mean, you know, anything, anything. I, I, at this point, it seems pretty clear to me that like Chen is focused definitely on anything that has to do with software, as opposed to you know the hardware side of the equation. So I mean, all of those things come into into play when you look at QNX, you look at ad hoc. I mean, you have to look at at uh, at Certicom as well. Uh, that- that's an interesting point there, right? Because as we've been seeing over the past few earnings reports, they're talking about a percentage, like all these percentage increases in, in revenue for software. And it's like, well, what constitutes software? Because traditionally, we we thought software was mostly um, like yes. BlackBerry OS, Bez 12, and like stuff like that, like their enterprise stuff. And then it's kind of, I kind of wonder what portion of software these new services. Um, like ad hoc or uh, what's the the microsim one? What's that one from Germany? Oh, uh, they have SecuSmart and then they yeah, have. Uh, 
What's that other one that does the dual sims? I'm trying to remember, too. They've got a bunch yeah, of things yeah. in that space. And I'm wondering how much of the, like the, the IP from those people coming over, being brought over, comprises that, you know, that increase in software revenue, right? And I, I wonder how big the market even is for these. Like that, and that's what we're kind of talking about. But, like, I... We should pro like it'd be probably nice to see some research. Just be like, okay, so is this like a a one billion dollar industry, and BlackBerry right now has like two percent of it, or you know, is it a five hundred million dollar industry, and BlackBerry has half of it? Just and, to try, just you know. to try to put it in scope for us here. Earlier in January, BlackBerry's ad hoc was awarded a twenty million dollar multi year delivery order for the Department of Veteran Affairs. So. Imagine that could be some somewhat of the scope of some of their their, their deals that are made. So, so they're so making decent of, money with it, right? Like, but these are big places. Mm -hmm. like, I'm a bit confused. Like, what what would ad hoc be used for in a veter like a veterans affairs type of scenario? Like, what would they use it for? Like, what could be a possibility for that? Because I well, I was under the impression it was like an emergency response type of service, mm -hmm. an alert service. So and specifically with the Veterans Affairs, it's going to cover over half a, half a million people, 600,000 VA personnel, and basically it allows them to send system alerts to telephones, text, pagers, fax, desktop, smartphones. Basically, if they need to send a mass communication out to everyone in a crisis, they can do it, and they've okay. got a secure and reliable network to go ahead and deliver that. So really, it's a real-time status for people to get immediate reports of what's going on, and you can imagine that has a lot of value in the broader IoT sense, but we're not yeah. quite there yet, right? Like, imagine when there is an IoT crisis and we're going to need this type of real-time notification system out there. It's like Chen is layering these acquisitions to build upon one another as we head toward this broader IoT connectivity because I've seen literally so many articles of late talking about logistics, talking literally about what BlackBerry Radar is doing now, talking about hackers taking more and more advantage of the IoT space and how all of this becomes more prevalent, right? It's just very interesting to see how all of this is really heading into a long-term play for John Shen and BlackBerry. They definitely seem at right now, they want to just cut out basically the service uh, service access fees, right? They want to stop the bleeding there and start building up some other revenue streams that are recurring. So right now, it's going to be pretty nascent. We're not going to see a lot of detail on some of that stuff, but I am happy to see them executing rather quickly and making some of this stuff happen, right? They, they've got the data center out. Now they're helping inter international customers on BlackBerry's own hosted networks. So it's pretty cool nonetheless. I, I wanted to transition here a little bit to uh, WhatsApp, turning on end-to-end -end encryption for 1 billion users. I found this bit of news a little bit... Surprising. I, I I honestly thought WhatsApp already had end-to-end -end encryption like years ago. I thought they did like open. I thought they partnered with like some third-party uh, encryption company and actually like did this already. So, if it, has anyone looked in on it? It's basically allowing some of the same things that BBM has done for years. I mean, probably almost a decade now. Do you think it's it's valid for them to do this, or are they doing this mainly to make a point, make a statement in terms of the encryption for WhatsApp? Um. Because again, it comes down to that point of security in our hands, right? So is encryption really going to help? Is it really going to solve <laughs> the problem? Or is it more of a marketing play for them to say, oh yeah, we have this? Yeah, it's definitely more of a... Like, I, I, I'm under the sense that it's kind of one of those things that doesn't hurt to do. Yeah. And then on the on the flip side, the upside of doing it can be good for for the stock price and and for their visibility for their marketability. So I mean, it's one of those things that I, I'm sure didn't take like a tremendous amount of effort, but the the overall optics of doing it would actually provide some greater benefits. So I think that's why they were doing it. I don't think it was some intrinsic desire to. You know, protect end users. Yeah, like protect their users or be more secure. But I think it was more of just, you know, I think the marketplace is just asking for uh, more, more diligence when it comes to you know securing messaging platforms. So yeah, and, I think and they're the, just reacting. The the technology is kind of getting to this point too. Like look at just websites in general. Um, 
pretty much every website on the internet now should be HTTPS because you can get free certificates now. So yeah. like, there's really no excuse not to have, you know, an encrypted site. So even, Word, but, even WordPress turned it on for all of their hosted blogs now. So yeah. So the question really is like, you become, you get to a point in society where like technology is at a certain point, and now there's no excuse to not have things just encrypted by default. So it probably just made sense at this point for them just to do it, and it probably wasn't this huge investment like. Uh, like what you were just saying. So to James, to James's point of how he thought about how he thought that it was already in place, it's because they they basically teamed up with um, Open Whisper Systems, which right. run and that announcement that announcement actually came like a year ago. They announced the partnership a year ago, where WhatsApp was committed to integrating the Signal protocol into WhatsApp itself. But you know now. The integration is is fully complete, and everybody who is running the current version of WhatsApp takes advantage of it because they fully integrated it and moved everybody towards that capacity. So I see, I see. See, you learn something new every day. I could have sworn I'd heard about it, but now it makes sense that more of that integration is now actually here. Um, so kind of slow going, actually, when you come to think about it. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, they they announced it a year ago before it actually got fully. Um, applicable to everybody, but at the same time, it's also been in testing for quite a while as well. It was just never, it was never like a, a public-facing thing. Like even the announcement when WhatsApp did the announcement, um, the announcement came pretty much like a week after they had actually started implementing it. Like the the updates were there and ready server side. But they just never announced it because they wanted to make sure that the rollout was, you know, covering everybody and make sure that it worked. Absolutely, I'm yeah. definitely excited to see that more and more of what BlackBerry has already been doing for years is coming to the forefront of the market. And and I've said this for so long, right? That BlackBerry's been ahead of the game in a lot of areas, right? BBM music, the seven-inch tablet. I mean, they've literally been ahead of so much of the market trend. And in doing so, it just shows the validity of their own direction, and they need to keep pursuing it. I think even the hardware side of what they're doing echoes that same sentiment, right? John Chen, BlackBerry CEO, reiterated plans to launch two mid-range Android phones, one with a QWERTY keyboard, one in an all-touch form factor. I love, his, the- I love his quote on that, too, though. Like His quote was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, maybe the priv was overpriced. <laughs> That's essentially how I read it. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he basically said that it was overpriced. I, I don't know. I have I have so many issues with the quotes and stuff when John Chen speaks, man, because there's, like, so many differences between what he says to one person to another person to another person to another person. Because even when it comes down to, like, even when it comes down to his announcement, he basically confirmed that he's going to go ahead and he's going to launch two mid-range devices, two mid-range Android devices, okay? But he's been saying that since December, that he's either going to go ahead and launch two mid-range devices, or maybe one, or maybe two, or maybe one, or maybe two, or maybe none, or we'll wait and see. So, like, it, again, it, I, I've mentioned this before, it just seems like he really doesn't necessarily know what the actual game plan is as of yet, but he's running out of time. Like, And time is another thing that I take issue with because it, it, you guys you guys have, have heard his comments. I'm pretty sure we talked about it last week. September. Um, yeah, he, he gave himself a timeline of September, but how does he plan to roll out two mid-range devices by September and still see the benefit of those devices before he could actually go ahead and make an educated decision on whether or not to be able to go ahead and continue with the, the hardware business? There's just yep. so much that, like, he either doesn't necessarily know what the actual game plan is and he's just playing it all by ear, or he's just messing with everybody and he knows and he just wants to toss out random things to random people to see how they react to it. Like, I just don't understand. Like, it's it's so complicated to be able it's, to go ahead and pull real definitive information from him. I think it's all smoke and mirrors, right? He yeah. has a, he has a you know not as not as good as wanted earnings call. So he talks about the future, right? He talks about the handsets, the things that people are obviously desiring. And as Priv quote unquote fails in the market, you know, 
talking about other handsets that may justify you know, the furtherance of this handset unit makes sense to say. But again, the timelines you're committing yourself to. Last time you committed to a timeline, it was 10.3.3 <laughs> and the Marshmallow oh, update. <laughs> right. So, you know, Let's see, and all these, all these things are going to come back and bite him in the ass because if he doesn't launch these devices or if he only launches one of them or whatever the case may be, then you know there's going to be those people out there who are who are going to say, well, BlackBerry had another delay, or they never kept their promises, or they can't keep their timelines, or whatever bad operative you want to be able to go ahead and put in so between. The, so the that. same things they've been saying since 2011. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> it's, it's a stark contrast compared to when they launched the Passport. I felt like everybody was under the impression or like a lot of people had the same sentiment that uh, John Chen really knew what he was doing. He had a roadmap for the company and he was like, listen, give me until 2016 and I've got it. And everybody kind of felt confident in that roadmap. Whereas now, yeah, sure enough, the earnings reports are getting you know a bit better each time. Um, but I feel the longer he's been in office, uh, the longer he's not in office, the longer he's been the CEO, the more I'm starting to lose confidence in the fact that he actually knows like next steps forward. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's because he's hesitant to just slash off the entire hardware side of things, and so he's really it's really just up in the air right now, and he doesn't want to commit one way or another, or if it's really just because he doesn't know what next step should be. <laughs> I think Blaze said it perfectly earlier. I think he's literally just messing with everyone, saying what he wants to say. I honestly think BlackBerry leaving the handset business is is not going to happen anytime soon, mainly from a perception standpoint. If we look back at the Passport launch, as Brandon was mentioning, they sold 200,000 passports within days, but the price point was 599 It was like a sweet spot, right? Brand new device, yeah. new phone factor, innovative, touch-enabled keyboard, you know, a whole... They really wanted to disrupt the market, and they did. And I think they expected the same thing to happen with the priv, right? People are going to jump on it. People are going to make yeah. a lot of sales, and we're going to make that. We're going to make that margin up to catapult and you know catalyze the overall handset business. But I, I think they misjudged. I think they were way off on the price by about 150 bucks, which is yeah. uh, which is yikes. People you know? were expecting. People were expecting uh, passport prices for the priv because you know all along that's been the flagship pricing that they had for the past couple of years. And so people were expecting the new device to be along those lines. And I think there's a lot of people who were really excited for the Priv who just didn't end up getting it because um, that expectation of the price was a bit higher than they were expecting. There was a lot of things, man. The hardware issues people were having, a yeah, lot of the, the returns and everything the else. The uncertainty about the actual future, whether or not they'd roll out Marshmallow. Yeah. Um, there was, a, there was a lot of, you know, and it, and it just bothers me because we're looking here in September of 2014, two years ago, and we see them going full steam on BlackBerry 10. They're going in on Blend. They're selling these devices. Yeah. And as, as you said, Brandon, just a total stark contrast to where we are now. What do you guys think about mid-range Blackberries? Do you even care? Like, I honestly don't really want a mid-range Blackberry device. Um, I would. A mid-range BlackBerry Android? It's like, dude, for, for $100 more, $499, you can get an Nexus. I get a Nexus, dude. What you don't realize is that they might actually be able to do something really cool with it. Like, for instance, we've seen concepts of, like, a Passport Mini. If they come up with, like, a Passport Mini that has a keyboard, a touch-enabled keyboard, it's smaller, doesn't have to be quite as powerful as the flagship, but it has those key things that people equate with BlackBerry that, that great keyboard and functionality. I think they're people, um, they might have a winner on the hands if they do that with Android. <laughs> and, and then they're going to launch an all-touch device. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's just yeah. one of those weird, weird things for me that it's like the Priv, for me, was a device that was solely catered to the enterprise. Yeah, they were going to make it available for consumers, but I really think they expected the enterprise users and the customers they already had to go upsell with their bez to get a priv. And that didn't happen because the price point was way too high, right? The general consumers who want to put the money out are going to get on the next plan with AT&T or get on the monthly thing or shop BlackBerry, save up their pennies and do it. So if you look at a mid-range and an, a mid-range all-touch and a QWERTY running Android, I think the QWERTY makes a lot of sense because there's nothing else in the space really doing that. But another all-touch, I mean... 
The all-touch doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, with the exception of the fact that there are many people out there who are still running, like, Z30s and Z10s who want another device. You know? But how big is that audience? Like, you know? It's it's probably not 200,000, which is... Yeah, it's... Even though we hear it every single day on a daily basis, like, I wish BlackBerry would upgrade the, the, the Z30 or give me a refresh Z30. I mean, that's from within the community. Is there anybody outside of the community basically asking for BlackBerry to go ahead and launch an all-touch device? And I don't okay. think there is. And I think that's part, <clears throat> that's part of why John Chen doesn't necessarily fully commit in every comment to, to launching two devices because he doesn't necessarily know as of yet whether or not a full-touch device is even a viable thing to be able to go ahead and push out, or if he wants to go ahead and stick with the keyboard devices. What would, yeah, be, in- you know, what would be interesting is if they put a device like the Classic and the Leap, where the keyboard QWERTY is mid-range and the all-touch is more mid-to-low-range, where it's over yeah. 200 bucks, but it's not 400 bucks, right? I think yeah. that that would sell an enterprise device that you could pick up for two fifty that you can push out to fleets for two hundred one ninety nine. That yeah. would make sense and, with the and security, that's, right. That's the thing. We're like, I, I totally, I'm a hundred percent in the boat. We're like, all touch device, you know, mid range. Like, why is BlackBerry even getting into this from consumer aspect? But you know, Chen has even said that a big part of the yeah, hardware enterprise. business is selling. To sell our service to enterprise, we want to give them options. Yeah. That is what it, it's it's an upsell that we can do, or we can give them a group package. So now instead of going there and saying, "All right, along with Buzz 12, we're going to get you Privs, which they're going to cost you, we'll give you a discount and make it six hundred and fifty dollars each, or whatever they like to do." Now at least they could have a three to four hundred dollar phone, and they can sell I don't know three fourths of them with the physical. QWERTY in there, and then one-fourth of them, just all-touch devices, and now I could work for X Corporation, and they say, do you want an all-touch or do you want a physical QWERTY? You get to choose from one of these two. So I can see Enterprise totally... That's the only reason I can see it making sense. Um, But, you know, there are people who have Z10s and Z30s who do want a secure device. I just met up... I just sold my Z30 last week. I met up with someone on Craigslist, and he... He had a Z10, and he loved the security aspect of it. He was using a, also using a Samsung Galaxy S5, and he was getting rid of that. And he just loved BlackBerry because of security. I don't it, like you meet these BlackBerry people, and they're they're different types of people. They just for whatever reason, like they just love security, and they have this weird kind of personality to them. And he just wanted to stick with BlackBerry because security. That's what he was telling me. He doesn't like to have his information online. He likes. Guy is watching upstream right now, and he's gonna send you a nasty email. He's gonna say, no, <laughs> he, dude, he was a cool guy. Like you just called him totally weird. Happy. <laughs> no, I'm weird, dude. BlackBerry people are weird. The fact that we like BlackBerry—that's weird. And today, if you if you think you're normal and you like BlackBerry, you're not. Like, a small subset of the market. Well, there goes the podcast. Good night. Uh, <laughs> it's not weird. Do you guys, when you have your priv, do you often switch between a physical and a, uh, and a touch keyboard? Yes. Or do you find yourself using the touch keyboard for 90% of things, and then for that last 10% where you have to send that off of the chance, you know, long paragraph email, you'll switch to keyboard, or is it more even 50-50 split? Dude, I'll pop it open to say okay to someone. Really, eh? Yeah. No, not me. I, I could, Like I said before the thing launched, I could literally glue it shut and not even worry about yeah. it. And, and that's yeah. the problem I have. You're going to launch a mid-range all-touch and a mid-range QWERTY, but you just launched a priv that is both. You know? Yes. <laughs> and you just got the price point right. And yeah. maybe not sports for the curved screen, right? Yeah. <laughs> you brought your hardware to a reasonable place. <laughs> Jeremy says, due to that comment, I am removing my Patreon subscription. <laughs> Troll. Thank you, thank you for the laugh, Jeremy. Sorry, Jeremy, um, you're weird. <laughs> you know what? I, t- I totally, I totally understand, Jeremy. No, no hard feelings there. <laughs> Alex is rude. Uh, we're gonna kick him out. He's not invited back. <laughs> but you know, it's very just an interesting place. It's like. They're literally fishing right now, you know? They're throwing stuff at the wall, almost like the BBM subscription stuff, you know? It's like, did BBM really need those features? Probably not. But let's put it out there see if users like it. I honestly think a mid-range QWERTY makes more sense than a all-touch. 
But if at all touch comes in like mid to low range, where you know you're in that two hundred dollar, three hundred dollar range, then I think you can push it. And then that kind of brings us over to BlackBerry and Fast Telecom signing a distribution agreement, right? Working on the Meta region, Middle East and North Africa to really drive sales of the hardware. So they are still very much invested in getting these handsets out there because at the end of the day, they know if they can sell you on a BlackBerry phone, they can probably sell you up on BlackBerry software as well. And as we know, they really want to stem the bleeding that they have there. So it makes a lot of sense that they continue to push in the hardware and really, really do what they can to either create discounts, promotions, localized marketing to get these devices out the door. And I, I honestly think at this point, that's what they need to do, right? September is coming very close. It's already April. I mean, yeah. I, I know the quarter ended in February, right? So we're not looking at the sell-through on some of those devices right now. So 600000 maybe becomes $1 million by the time the next quarter ends with another 400000 But still, you're off of your $3 million target that you're trying to hit, which was reduced from $5 million. You so know, and... I think there's there's a tough part to all of this too, where a lot of people held off on the priv simply because it's like, okay, this is BlackBerry's first Android device. I like you have to be a pretty hardcore BlackBerry fan to want to take that kind of risk. So you have a lot of people who probably wanted the priv, and people are talking about online like, oh, I want I wanted the priv, but you know I'm going to hold off for the priv too. Well, if they go and release two mid-range phones, then we're probably not going to get a priv two for another maybe. Year two years. Have if, we gotten a passport too? A classic too? Have we got anything? That's, no, never. that's the thing. So like, and and I have my uncle saying, I'm more than happy to buy your priv. Like once the next the next high end phone comes from BlackBerry, let me know because I will buy your your priv. And I'm like, great, but you know, I'm probably not going to have a chance to even buy an upgraded priv anytime soon or ever. So it's it's a tough scenario where I I really do think a priv two is important. But don't, I don't think I don't, don't see call it, it at all. Too. Please don't call it a what, just call it, call it the BlackBerry shift and like do me a favor. Do me a, keep my cardiac from arresting because right now <laughs> I can't I can't handle the priv name any longer. You all saw my my troll post on the PBM channel. It's like <laughs> there's so many terrible marketing things you could do, but they're not even doing that. It's just kind of kills me. I want to move to some of our Patreon questions. Our patrons subscribing to us on the monthly is really awesome. I love these guys so much. They bring so much to the conversation. And we have a couple questions here. I want to start with one of our most long-winded ones first because, man, did he go in on this question. So let me read this. This is actually on – it was too big for the BBM channel, so I got it directly from Jeff in an actual BBM message. So I'm just going to read this to you guys. It touches on some of the things we've already discussed and some interesting points to think about. Are there any estimates of the software slash enterprise revenue which is driven by handsets and hardware? Exiting hardware affects Chen's favorite revenue? Question mark. Feasibility of offering customers their choice of OS when purchasing a handset from BlackBerry. Do they offer this for their enterprise customers? I would try another Passport Silver Edition with Android, given the admission of failure again by Chen this week or relative to the release of Priv. Is anyone expecting them to truly fall on their sword? The feedback Chen admitted to receiving from the enterprise customers should have been known by marketing such that it is before one per handset was manufactured. Is there any good reason BB could not release three droid berries at the same time, assuming the fall 2016 release of another two droid berries? Is Chen still going to use his fiscal year results to pass sentence on the handset business? Or is he going to, you know, based off his um, much publicized rant of BlackBerry 10 not having the apps and blend news, you know, Jeff still has some hope here, but if the BB handsets were no longer available, which platform would we go to? So I want to start off with Brandon here. Brandon, if you were – there are no BlackBerry handsets, Android and or – no BlackBerry handsets, period, right? What yeah. platform would you go to? Would you go to Android because it makes sense for you, or would you go to iOS or maybe Windows Phone? Um, I'd probably go to Android just because like, I'd like to – no, I've already started trying to do some developing there, and I'd like to kind of pursue that, um, whereas – I don't know. I've I've had an iOS device. I've never had an Android device, so an Android device would be something new. And I have right. like an iPad or something, and I have a MacBook. Unfortunately, but you haven't had a Windows device, so that'll be new too. Yeah, new. true. New and shitty. Uh, my dad has a Surface, <laughs> but yeah, no. Like I, I'd probably like the Android device. The only thing that I'm always kind of skeptical with Android, to be honest is that everybody I know who has an Android device, their device is great for, like, the first month. Yeah. And then, like, after a month, they get this huge slowdown. 
Yeah. And I don't know if that's something inherent with the operating system. That's inherent yeah. with like them, like how people download and delete apps, and then maybe they don't clear the cache or something like that. I'm not sure. The, the problem with Android is the same problem with iOS. It background tasks everything. So even if you close a recent app, that app is still running in the background. Yeah. So you know, it, it makes a semblance of really quick multitasking, but it's task switching. So that stuff is still running, still taking batteries, still hurting the performance as you go. So yeah. I totally agree. There are apps where you can actually shut down all the background processes and you'll get a boost yeah. of performance. But I, I will say on the flip side, like Android's good, but I mean unless you get a, like a, a Nexus or something, you're still going to have to deal with that same kind of issue where you have to wait for updates from the carrier, right? Whereas yeah. when, I, when I used to have an iPhone, it was nice because, you know, Whenever the update comes out, you know you're going to get it. So, I mean, it really comes up to a, to a toss on what you prefer. I prefer having more of that open framework for me to play around with and, and have some more customizability. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe in a year or two I might feel like maybe I just, I just want something that's just there that works and gets updated regularly. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I, I was just reading an article. I don't know how. It, it seems like Android... Well, Google is actually trying to move toward disconnecting, like, Android N, um, whatever comes after N, <laughs> uh, all the future, like, whatever, like, name they decide to go with. Yeah. I, I know the alphabet. But, like, whatever they decide to come up with after that, um, they're actually trying to disassociate it. So, like, they could push through an over-the-air update that while some of the other aspects of it can be, you know, still going through carriers, they're trying to, like, disassociate a little bit. So, like, I could get the Android on update, and it might just not have some of the security updates that you need for, for the entire thing. Like, I, I was just reading that they're they're trying to disassociate a little bit to help this, because right now the fact that, you know, 3, 4, 5% of Android devices are running on Marshmallow is ridiculous. Marshmallow is, like, that, 7, 8, 9 months old now. That's, so, part, of, that's part of the progression that... that Google is essentially realizing, and I'm sure you guys read it because I heard about it plenty of times from comments on CrackBerry, is like Google is, there's the possibility that Google is essentially going to go ahead and open up their Android and beta to other devices. And everybody's like, well, why is this posted on CrackBerry? Well, it's posted on CrackBerry because it's applicable because you could have Android N on your priv if BlackBerry signed up for it to be a part of that actual program. So that's that's essentially what what you're talking about, Alex, is basically them taking bits and pieces of the components that aren't necessary for the carriers to actually be involved in and separate them so that they can push out these updates so that people can receive the important stuff and still have the carrier stuff separate. So you you still get the updates. And that's that's all a part of what is likely going on within Google as well when they're with their Android N updates because Google Google is fully aware of the fact that sometimes you know devices get left behind due to the fact that carriers can't update them or they refuse to update them or whatever the scenario may be. So what we're seeing with the Android Android N beta and essentially that that separation of certain components from Android is basically Google's acknowledgement of the fact that like you know, they know that some of the systems that come across the line are a little bit fragmented and they want to go ahead and improve yeah. that. That's the deeper inner workings that they're working on essentially going ahead and improving. And believe it or not, BlackBerry actually plays a, a, a large bit of a role in that because people people need to understand that BlackBerry is no longer just BlackBerry. They are essentially an Android OEM now. They have users using Android. They build Android devices Everything that goes along with Android is going to be coupled into Google at that point. You know, Google Play, Google Updates, Google, you know, any any beta tests or anything like that. Like, BlackBerry is not separated from the, the Google aspect or the Google side of things. So, you know, that's, that's part of why that post got posted on CrackBerry is because BlackBerry, as an OEM, a Google OEM or Android OEM, has the ability to go ahead and sign up to be a part of this participation. Yeah, and, and you know that this this whole beta that's coming out that BlackBerry is slowly rolling out with, 
it's actually a lot of Android users are excited about it. Yes, it's ridiculous that's so late, and the fact that like we should have Marshmallow now. You're starting a beta now for Marshmallow. Well, think about the future. So this is like one of the few carrier or one of the few manufacturers that's actually going to be running betas. So are we going to get an Android N beta fairly early? Whereas like Samsung, they never do betas releasing their software early. So like people are seeing this, that's a good step in the right direction. The fact that a manufacturer is offering a beta, that is actually a good a good way to take the market. So people are a little bit excited that BlackBerry is actually even doing this. Yes, it's For a late. Seven hundred dollar phone, I better get a beta, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go back to some of Jeremy's questions here because he brought up a couple good points that I think are worth acknowledging. So if you take a excuse me, Jeff, not Jeremy. Jeremy's watching too. Jeremy's uh, the one that laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a feasibility of offering customers their choice of OS when purchasing a handset from BlackBerry is a little bit far off because there are drivers and different things they have to build yeah. in to be able to actually execute the BlackBerry 10 operating system. So whereas the Open Handset Alliance is working on building out those drivers well before the SOC is actually delivered, software on chip is actually delivered with BlackBerry. They actually have to go and buy and build those drivers with Qualcomm to be able to do their secure boot and load and all of that. So it's not really feasible for them to go ahead and launch one phone with two different OS options. Now, it's not impossible, but it would cost a lot of money on the front end, which I don't think they want to spend right now, hence them going Android, right? makes a lot of sense. So aside from that, do you guys think that we could get some old BlackBerry handsets coming back relaunched with Android, for instance, the Passport SE or the Z30? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, we've seen iPhones come out and relaunch the iPhone 5, right, with the iPhone 6S specs on the inside. Who's to say they don't give us an updated Z30, you know, with some tweaks here and there, but it runs a totally different operating system. Do you think it's worth the R&D to just build a whole new phone or kind of go with the leap and, and just roll it out with a different OS. That'd be cool for the Passport, as I've mentioned before. I, I, I'd if agree. you get Android on the Passport and sell that, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of people who will be like, oh, that's dope. Like, it, like I didn't want it before because it was BlackBerry 10, some people might say, but then now that it's Android, they'll be like, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. And then they can't complain about not having apps and stuff like that. So, I but mean, then you then you have the audience of users who are like, "Well, where's my Android upgrade for my Passport that runs BlackBerry 10?" Right. Yeah. That could be a part of the reason that's not a good idea. <laughs> exactly. That causes mass chaos. What do you mean I have to buy the whole new device? I mean, they could they could do a little, you know, trade your phone in, pay us two hundred bucks, and you know, well, yeah, start I mean, recycling. They could, they could and probably should. If if they're going that way, then that would be the way that they should do it. But mm -hmm. so let's jump over to some of our other patron questions. We have here one from Ahmed. How should BlackBerry be like if to have a standout feature that's not a physical keyboard? I'm using a Priv, and it's getting better by time. Does anyone agree that a quick update on usage would be nice? So in terms of adding in some other features, like would you guys like a Priv 2 with like a, a fingerprint reader and things like that? Is that a value add for you guys? I just just better specs. Like I mean, it would be nice to have a fingerprint reader, honestly. But what better specs? You want an 820? Like I mean. Dude, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm my, well, I mean everything. My I, the priv is not performing as well as I want it to be, and some people are saying you know it's because of the encryption, but I know it's more than just that. So I want, I want, like if my priv ran extremely smooth, then I would love this phone. Right now, I only love it, you know. So no, I just I want it to. Don't know. <laughs> I think on the uh, on the fingerprint reader, I think. Uh, based on my experience with uh, an iPad, it's really convenient for putting in your password, and it'll prevent like a lot of those petty, you know, people getting onto your device and like sending a message here or there. But the reality is, if somebody wants to hack your phone, uh, mm -hmm. your fingerprints are all over the device, so it's not really that much secure when it comes down to it. Someone can just pull but, your okay. off the device. I want to okay. Look at a, a door lock, like a lock on a door that people have on their houses. They're not meant to keep you secure. They're supposed to be a deterrent. Someone, anyone who knows how to 
or pick or pick a lock, you can do that in a matter of 10, 15, 20 minutes. You just hope that if they're doing that in the front of your house and a cop drives by and sees that going on, they'd be like, well, what's going on with that? So, yeah. like, just, like, a password on a phone, like, it's a deterrent. Like, who's going to go out of their way? I always have my phone on me. I always have it on me. So where is the time going to happen where my phone is away from me long enough for someone to get my fingerprint and, like, do that? Like, it's it's just... I mean, sure, if your ex-girlfriend or something like that, if they're really... Yeah, I don't know how I they're think Tim's ex-girlfriend, that. probably, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. I need but, a fingerprint. No, but uh, <laughs> it all comes in varying levels, right? I mean, there, there's some people, like, for instance, getting somebody's fingerprint off of a device, like a glass screen, is not that difficult. Like, you really don't need that much time or experience. No, but you, to do but it, you right? also you need the technology uh, to make it so it actually works. With the password, you actually need some form of program to crack it. I mean, like, there's nobody who can physically go and just crack a password and go through all the, uh, like, millions of options, right? Unless, like, they just do a good guess and the person has a really weak password, right? Yes. Um, it's one of those things. But, I mean, like, <laughs> if in you terms of... You can cracking. go and wipe it online. Like it, it's just, yeah. just the it, the only time where I could see this being like an actual reasoning would be if I fell asleep and someone that I don't trust is around me and they take my phone and they go and do whatever they're doing with it. That's, Alternatively, that's if I what lose, would happen, Alex. But that's why, what would happen. Why? Alex isn't that crazy. How? He has girlfriends, so he doesn't quite understand the severity. So I've lost, <laughs> I lost track. What's the care factor for a fingerprint sensor? Because I mean, it's, like, it, it, it's, it's like BlackBerry innovation, right? Like, what is there to innovate? Slider? Okay. Innovative, right? Cool. So here's, you launched new handsets. What is there? What else is it? Here, here's, here's where we need to look back and, and take a look at what was already said about fingerprint sensors from BlackBerry. Um, if you guys recall, there was an article not that long ago, I believe it was like on Venture Beat or something like that, where David Kleidemacher basically went out and, and he didn't say that BlackBerry would never include a fingerprint sensor. He did go so far as to say that he didn't necessarily feel as though that biometrics were at the level of security at this particular point that would be acceptable for BlackBerry to go ahead and put it on their device. He didn't rule out the possibility of adding it at some point in time. However, he questioned where the innovation would be for BlackBerry to be able to go ahead and do it. So yeah, you may get a fingerprint sensor on a device, which I'm sure everybody has seen the recent patents that were flying through because the patents are, you know, all the latest rage. Everybody suddenly cares about patents that BlackBerry will probably never actually use in the long run, but whatever. That's besides the point. Anyways, Kleidermacher basically said that BlackBerry would not, they haven't ruled out the ability to go ahead and put a fingerprint sensor on there, but they want to innovate upon that capability, and it can't just be a standard fingerprint sensor because that... There's no innovation in that, and the biometrics for it are not necessarily up to par. So but BlackBerry could have a fingerprint sensor along with something else. It's here, something here's that... His, here's his quote, right? He says, the reason we haven't put a fingerprint scanner is that if you lose your fingerprint, you've lost that part of your identity forever, and that's a problem because that's a static picture of your fingerprint. It's just bits. You drop those bits and you're done. We've never put a fingerprint scanner on our device because we think of it as a relatively weak authentication system. So again, backing up what Blaze just said in his explanation. I'm not which, saying biometrics which, are a bad idea. I'm saying that today it's a little it, bit ubiquitous and it doesn't really add. Perfect. That's that's fine though. But like the question is, BlackBerry, are you only building this phone for enterprise? You only give a crap about enterprise, or do you care about consumer? Because in enterprise, Dude, I think all it's you have clear to do that they care about cons- they don't really enter- care about consumer. Like, yes, yes, yes. But, like, care about but, but does it? How many times did Chen say enterprise on the phone call? Yes. Before the earnings call, he was like, "Yeah, we need better, better distribution to enterprise. We want to sell up, up, upsell enterprise. Enterprise, our phone was too costly for enterprise. Like, consumer is not even a mention." But at okay, point. but but the the question is, by throwing a fingerprint sensor, they can't be that expensive anymore. They've existed on my laptop from like ten years ago. Like, obviously, a crappy version of it. But the question is, by adding this little thing for the cost. It'll open up the phone to be more competitive with the consumer market, and a few people might buy it. And then in enterprise, if you really don't trust it, allow us to disable 
the ability to use the fingerprint to unlock the phone. Require a fingerprint and a passcode, or just have a passcode and don't let the fingerprint work for things. Like you, you're, you have the software where you can control that. I just like I, I don't care that much about a fingerprint sensor, but it's all the competition has it, and it's becoming just this little thing that makes it a little bit more convenient to unlock my phone. The fact that like I have family members and friends that don't even lock their phone because it's a pain to put the password in, whereas I have friends that have iPhones and stuff, and they always use a password because it's easy enough to just do the fingerprint. So what's more secure, not having anything on your phone, not using a password, or using a fingerprint? And it just it brings up the median or the median the average security for smartphones because how it's about, simple enough. How about a breathalyzer? That'd be something. <laughs> That'd be pretty LG good. LG people would like that stuff, surprisingly. But you, there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, that's pretty cool. And then like, every time you're out, be like, yo, let's check. Uh, stuff like that. It's definitely a convenience thing. But at the end of the day, it's very convenient to use something like picture password, right? Something yeah. that doesn't include your biometrics because let's say you burn your fingers, right? And your phone is locked forever. You can't unlock it. You have to go online and wipe it and start all over and lose it. No, they have an you can use your fingerprint or you can use a passcode. They never just say you have to use a fingerprint. And then picture password, I'm not even using it anymore because it's a pain. Yeah. Like for, if I'm walking or something to do it, it's a pain. Like if I'm sitting still and I have, you know, five seconds to focus on this, I'm fine. But I could do my, my quick passcode or pattern yeah. so much quicker than that. Like I... The the picture thing was a good good like attempt, but it was like I used it one time, and after that I was like, this is like way too complicated just to answer an email. You know yeah, you need sucks. to find you know the convenience when, when your screen brightness is all the way down, and you have to try to get that picture password. Yeah. For the record, I want a fingerprint sensor on a BlackBerry as well. It's just I just don't think BlackBerry is going to go ahead and do it with that sort of simplicity, like. Their main concern is enterprise, and their main concern is security. So it has to be something a little, even if it's just a little bit more secure in some way. Yeah. It has to be some sort of innovation. Like they can't just put out another. Okay, so what 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 do you think the the innovation should be? I mean, throw that around a little bit. Do you have any ideas? Is it about making it more secure, or is it giving it multi-purpose? Because like you know. Having a physical keyboard on the phone does not make the phone more secure, but it has other reasoning as to yeah. why they did it. So, so what can the sensor also do for BlackBerry? Like, I don't know, just looking at phone. What, what would you like uh, a fingerprint sensor to also be able to do? Take your heart rate? No, like yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that actually be smart. I am not running. They, they could include like something to like measure your heart rate or something, and then all of a sudden you got those synergies between uh, that health box that they have and now like a doctor could be with their phone oh and just yeah be like to a patient be like hey just like they don't have the device with them right there on the spot but maybe they could just take it right quickly just to to make sure everything's all right or for instance even like niche cases they could have like an attachment through their health division that attaches to a blackberry and allows diabetic patients to like sample their blood or something on the spot like that. Um, there's a bunch I, of areas where things Yeah, I wasn't like thinking that. about healthcare, because I was, I was about to say, like, who cares? Like, you, do you think BlackBerry, you don't think fitness, but screw fitness, like health, like they, BlackBerry and healthcare, that, that, that is a good connection. I, I, an antimicrobial phone would be cool too, right? They've yeah. talked about that before, floating the idea, but they don't execute on some of that. One of our other patron questions here is, you know, do we have any news of dimensions on the specs of these mid-range smartphones we'll sport? You know, I honestly think we're probably going to look at a similar form factor in terms of the, like what we have on Classic, maybe even a little bit taller. So maybe priv height in terms of some of the dimensions. And in terms of specs, you know, we might get last year's, you know, software on chip. I can't imagine we're going to get, like, you know, the same exact specs that we have on, on the priv right now. But, <laughs> If you if you're expecting a Snapdragon 820, you need to temper your expectations. <laughs> you're gonna get probably uh, HTC A9 sort of specs. <laughs> right. But so the 808 and the 810 kind of suck though. So it's like it's a bad pickings to to do a mid-range phone. Like I don't know. I don't. That doesn't make me feel the best. Yeah, you're insecure, Alex. I don't know what to tell you. No. <laughs> <laughs> we have another question here. 
honestly would like BlackBerry to do better and bring features over from BB10 to at least showcase the BlackBerry experience on Android. I am aware that there are things out of their control using Android. However, enough is enough. Perf feels incomplete, but oh, we have apps. Pretty interesting point, right? But at the end of the day, is it worth it? You know, again, if they're aiming these Android devices, these secure Android devices at the enterprise, do they need to bring StoryMaker? Do they need to bring BlackBerry Express? Probably not. It probably doesn't add a lot of value in terms of the BlackBerry Experience Suite as a part of Bez 12. What do you guys think? Anything else from BlackBerry 10 that you guys would like to see on Priv? Maybe blend? File manager. No. Just something. <laughs> I just want to be able to use BBM for my computer. I don't care if it's even in a blend aspect anymore. I'm, I've, I'm over that because I feel like they're not going to do it. Just let me use BBM on my damn computer somehow. Does BlackBerry blend even work nowadays? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Obviously, I haven't used it, but... Yeah. Can't that, use it because I'm a crib owner. <laughs> yeah, true that. I'm sure it still works. Not like they ever got Facebook in there. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the, our Patreon questions. Again, you guys can check us out at berryflow.com forward slash Patreon. We've got monthly pledge tiers here. And again, those subscriptions really help us out. Keep the fuel and the fire going for us so we can continue to do these awesome podcasts for you guys weekly. we got a bunch of swag and all that good stuff. We're going to hop on our after show. So if any of our patrons are watching, check out on Patreon. You're going to see the live link going out there for our after show. Appreciate having all of you guys on. Brandon's hopped out to call his aunt for her birthday. Alex Sablaze and I will get on that after show. He's such we're a good really, nephew. Isn't he, though? <laughs> such a good guy. He's such a Canadian. Gotta love it. Got to love it. Anyway, guys, we will catch you all next week on episode number 95. We are very quickly yeah. approaching our next downstream in our two-year anniversary of Upstream, so that's all very exciting things. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of that in the after show, what Brandon's been throwing around. But uh, thank you all for watching. Appreciate it. Peace. Later. Later, Gator. By the way, Priv Beta for Marshmallow, probably next week or the week after, so keep an eye on your emails for that. But not Alex and I, because we're on AT&T. <laughs> yep. I'm recording that every day. Oh, poor Alex. Anyway, guys, take it easy. Bye. Later.